0: All right, well, open your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. We are slowly, faithfully making our way through the book, started in chapter 1, verse 1. Here we are in John 8, verse 42. And this is God's word, John 8, verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, we had a about every, I don't know, five years or so, we have a staff retreat. Uh, And a staff retreat is really a long two-day meeting, and you have to eat dinner in a restaurant at five o'clock. That's the staff retreat. And and the other bad thing is, you know, you're staying like uh, in midtown or downtown or something at a hotel, and you have to share a toilet and a shower with some dude, uh, and spend the night, and uh, that's just always thrilling to me. Anybody uh, feel like they're past that in their life, where you just don't want to be in a room with anybody, and but your spouse? Okay, well, I'm there, and uh, so anyway, we have these horrible, I mean, these wonderful staff retreats, the real, <laughs> real pick-me-up, a real getaway, and um, it's, a, it's a two-day meeting, and so anyway, back, like, I don't know, like 20 years ago, we, we had a staff retreat, and uh, we We our goal was to uh, uh, list our core values. That was our goal. What are our core values? And listen, that's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to say, what are we all about? What are we aiming for? And so on. Um, And so that's what we did. We we thought about our core values. And um, you may or may not know it, but don't look at your bulletin, but they're printed in your bulletin. Do you know what the first one is? The very, 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 very first one. Love of truth. That's the first one. We're like, what should we put at the top of the list? I mean, what's the thing that we, and listen, you could could put a lot of things at the top of the list. Worship. I mean, is all of life worship? Yes. As redeemed people, are we worshipers? Yes, absolutely. You could easily put that at the top of the list. You could say the Bible. Uh, You could have lots of things at the top of the list, but we just thought love of truth uh, was a pretty all-encompassing kind of thing. And I'll tell you, um, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of turmoil in churches all over the world uh, right now. There's turmoil, of course, in our own country in churches, lots of pressures on her theology, lots of pressures on denominations. Uh, where do we all stand on certain things? And, you know, there's a lot of pressures on uh, other continents too, like Africa. There's terrible um, theological pressures in Africa. There's a there's, there's, uh, a very tainted gospel all over the continent of of Africa, Um, many parts of uh, the continent of uh, India. There's some murky Christianity there uh, as well. And of course, um, the gospel has and has always been barging its way through human history. And so we need, not, we need not go, oh, it's worse now than ever before. I, I don't think that we can say that. The, the gospel is always advancing. The church is prospering. Christ is ahead of the church. And no matter what pressures and heresies and schisms that, that might uh, uh, be inflicted upon the church, um, she will continue to advance. Um, Jesus was resisted even unto death on a cross. It should be no surprise to us um, that he now as victor would be opposed all the more. Of course he is. Of course we are. But um, here's, here's then the big idea, what I would like you to, to think about today. Love of truth and love of Jesus are inseparable. Uh, our church, top of the list. What are we, staff? What would, should we say? What do we think is the number one thing we would like our people to, to carry around with them? Love of truth. Well, love of truth and love of Jesus are inseparable. God's word is not rubbery. God's will is not in question. God's authority is not in jeopardy. God's um, truth is not porous. Uh, God's truth is known and seen through the perfect representative who is the exact imprint of God, who is Jesus of Nazareth. Um, Love of truth and love of Jesus are inseparable, and there is no savior apart from that reality. All right. Uh, Let's go to our first point, which is this. The test of a legitimate faith in God is love for Jesus. Jesus says it himself in verse 42. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. Now, he'll qualify that statement in a second, actually the rest of the sentence. Uh, But let's pause to consider what a giant thing has just been uttered by Jesus. If God were your father, you would love me. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot of mental or spiritual gymnastics to kind of ruminate on that for a second and to understand, wow, you mean, um, if I get this right, Jesus, you're saying that if I don't love you, I'm a Jew, okay, I'm listening to you, I'm in your hearing, uh, you're saying that if I'm a Jew and I don't love you, you're saying that I don't love Yahweh. That's what you're saying. Well, let me, let me tell you, that's exactly what Jesus is saying precisely what he's saying. Um, Look at all of verse 42. Here's how he qualifies it. He says, if God were your father, he would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. You know, the same writer, John the Apostle, John the Apostle, will write later in 1 John. He says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. All right? That's an older translation that's got a lot of begots in there, okay? But I did that on purpose. The, the idea is simply this. Um, to love God the Father is to love God the Son. <laughs> okay? That's what John's saying in First John. To love God the Father is to love God the Son. There is no either or. And um, what makes Jesus and his uh, followers so polarizing is that claim. Jesus' claim is that he is the only way to God, and all other belief systems are not the truth. Uh, this is from chapter 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And speaking of chapter 14, would you flip over there for just a second? Let's look at a little hunk of verses here. Um, verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. This is Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. Hey, by the way, you wanna see something awesome? You've got the son of God, you've got God the father, And look at the very next verse, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still here, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he, not it, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Is that not amazing? You know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But is the Trinity taught in the Bible? It sure is, it sure is, and it's certainly taught here. you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. By the way, as a little bonus point, do not ever refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Oh, the Holy Spirit was really there. It was, it. it's not, he's not an it, he's a he, he's a he. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, not some mystical power the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Anyway, all to say, um, what, a, what, a, what a picture of the unity of the Trinity uh, in function here. Uh, here's a great quote I found um, from a, a writer I was looking at. He says, if you love the Father, you love the Son. If you love Yahweh, oh, you love Yahweh? If you love Yahweh, you got Jesus too. You love Jesus, too. That's a litmus test. You know, uh, I'm a, I love the movie Casablanca, and I don't know what's happened at the Orpheum. Anybody used to go to the Orpheum and see Casablanca every year? Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they kind of goofed it up the last few years. They're not playing. They haven't been playing it, and it's, uh, it's kind of sad. It was always the last movie in the summer movie series, and uh, man, it's just a great movie. But anyway, you know, Victor Lajlo, You know, he's he's trapped in Casablanca, and he's the leader of this resistance movement, and uh, they're trying to beat the Nazis and everything, and he's got Ilsa, his wife, and Ilsa used to be with Humphrey Bogart, and now they're all together, and oh, why does she have to walk into here? Anyway, uh, they're trying to get these exit visas to get Victor Laszlo out to do his work, but you know what? Victor's got to have two. Victor, he's not going to have one. He's not going to leave, even for the Nazis, even to defeat the Nazis, as important as he is. He has not taken one exit visa. He's got to have two because he's not going without Ilsa. Well, so it is, friends. Um, If you're going to receive Yahweh, if you're going to worship God, well, I just really, you know, there's these things rumbling in my heart and I've got ultimate questions, and I wanna know about um, the meaning of life. I wanna know that I'm gonna be okay in eternity. I wanna know what my relationship to this God is like and how interactive he really is in this world. I've got all these questions about, about this gospel of Jesus Christ that's being preached and all these other world religions and, and all that stuff. I wanna, I wanna know God. Well, here's the message. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will never know God you will never be okay with God. You will never have a right relationship with God unless it is through Jesus Christ. That is not mean. That is not bigoted. That is not, um, that is not uh, harsh to other belief systems and their sincerity. Not at all. I, I respect other belief systems, systems and their sincerity. But I'm telling you, this is the cure to spiritual cancer. It is being preached in love, and the Savior has come in love, to save in love. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, y'all. Uh, you want to be right with God? Um, you can at least walk out of here today and say, I heard the claims of Jesus Christ articulated very clearly, which is, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. That is the gospel message, y'all. It's the gospel all right, uh, second point. Without God's intervention, you cannot not believe a lie. Um, you know, Jesus gives um, his hearers here a spiritual diagnosis. Um, and uh, he, he is, I told you, that in the last couple of weeks, it's been like volleyball where it's like, bing, 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 bing. And here comes Jesus, you know, in full Nike garb. Bam, he's going to spike it over. And he spikes it over. He does it here today in our passage. He says this, um, "Why?" in verse 43, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Now, uh, if you didn't grow up with the ESV, which most of you didn't, um, other translations will say of verse 43, this. Uh, you know, In the ESV, it says, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Right? Other translations will put it this way. Why do you not understand what I have to say? It is because you cannot accept my word. Other translations say, you cannot even hear me. Um, you can't even stand it. You cannot even hear it. Most most translations say, "Why? Why is my? Uh, um, uh, uh, why can you not understand what I say? You cannot even hear it." Uh, most people say that. The NIV says because you are unable to hear. And, you know, as when you read stuff like that, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Bible Hub or anything's online. You can read parallel accounts. You can look at 30 different Bible translations all in one shot, the same verse. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I do it uh, virtually every time I prepare a sermon. I look at all this big, long list. It's, it's awesome. But, you know, when you see Bible translators, you know, kind of going, how do we put this in English and, and keep the same meaning without adding a bunch of language and making it a thought-for-thought thought thing, but a word-for-word word thing, they uh, try to stay true. Um, when, you, when, you, when you feel them grappling like that, you go, okay, let's dig a little deeper. And if you dig a little deeper, you'll see that Jesus' speech, when he says, why do you not understand what I say, what is spoken, my speech, um, the idea is this, it's an understanding of um, Jesus' authority to say it, and a sense of wanting to obey it. So he's saying, when I'm speaking, you, you, you don't have a desire to obey God. When I'm speaking, you don't have a desire to say, ooh, I'm under the authority of what you're saying, Jesus. Um, there, there's there's it's, it's a freighted statement. So the NIV is right. You're, you're unable to hear what I say. Um, this is not necessarily a uh, God-unstopping-ears uh, support verse, although it kind of is. Um, but but the idea is this. They're not able to, to bear it. They're not able to hear it. They're not able to, not able to say, they're not able to accept it. You're, Jesus, you're saying that to love the Father, I got to love you. That is very hard to accept. In fact, it's going to be so hard to accept that in just a few verses, they're going to pick up stones to try to kill him. <laughs> they don't like what he's saying. Well, the world doesn't, the world doesn't like it either. Well, you're saying that uh, you know, this whole elephant thing, in fact, I was looking it up last night, it's not, uh, not Hari Krishna, it's ma, ma, uh, it starts with an M, something Krishna, but the, the, the dude who invented the elephant illustration, you've heard, the, you know the elephant illustration, you know what I'm talking about? It's um, four blind guys walk up to an elephant, it's an oldie, and one guy grabs a trunk, or excuse me, one guy grabs a leg, he goes, oh, an elephant's like a tree trunk. And another guy got, grabs the ear and goes, oh, no, it's like a, you know, a briefcase or whatever. And the other guy goes, oh, no, it's uh, like this. Oh, no, it's like a wall. It's like a this. It's like a that. And they, and they, but they don't see the whole elephant. And so that's the illustration. Well, you know, God's, God's the elephant, and we all approach him in a different way and see him in a different way and call him a different name. But it's all pretty much the same. This, this is, teaches the exact opposite. Jesus shows up on the scene and he doesn't say, oh, yes, there are many paths. Oh, I'll let me teach you all through the gospels. No, not at all. He says over and over again, I'm it, I'm it, I'm it. If you're gonna love the father, you gotta love me. If you've ever loved Yahweh, you will love me. If you don't love me, you're no follower of Yahweh. They, they keep going, we're Abraham's children, we're Abraham's children. He's responding to that, what we looked at the last couple of weeks. Oh, we're Abraham's children. He's saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. Um, genetics is not the point. It is heart-worshipping. Now, you know, um, you you can understand their offense. I mean, Jesus, when he says in verse 44, you are of your father the devil, um, and he goes on to say, and your will is to do your father's desires, that's an indictment um, on every human being everywhere. If you don't believe all the stuff Jesus is saying, you don't belong to God. That's the very point. And furthermore, you've got a different father altogether. And it's this whole idea of a dominion of sin. That's why I put it this way. Um, Without God's intervention, you cannot not believe a lie. You know why? Because you're in a dominion, a person outside of Jesus Christ is in a dominion of sin, they're in a lost place. Um, the Bible says repeatedly, dead in transgressions and sin, unable to hear, uh, eyes that can't see. It's in a different realm. And, um, you know, Adam and Eve, once they sinned, they were not able not to sin, just like you and me. In my finest moment, even as a redeemed man, in my finest moment, in my own human power, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit and God in me, I'm saying in my own power, In my finest moment, if I'm worshiping my heart out, I'm a worship leader. Hey, I'm a professional. I'm out there worshiping and worshiping in my finest moment, on my best week, on my best day, on my best hour, on my best minute, I still am full of iniquity. (laughs) Uh, But am I able to obey? Yes, Am I able to make right choices? Absolutely. Am I able to please God? Yes, because the Holy Spirit's in me, has breathed life, is working in me, is sanctifying me. It's not my work, it's the work of God. Working in one's own power outside of Christ, you're in a dominion of sin, and you cannot not believe a lie. And that what these people are doing is believing the lie and not believing Jesus. Well, so he says you're, you're of your father the devil. That's what he's talking about, a dominion of sin, a different dad. Now um, we could stop here and talk about Satan the whole time, which uh, one one commentator did um, that I was reading. I'm like, dude, you're so far off track. You're missing the point of what's happening here. That's how we handle the whole passage: talk about Satan the whole time. We could do that, but I I don't think it's I don't think it's faithful to the the text. However, I will say just a few things about Satan. Um, You know. Satan, the devil, a real personal enemy who hates God, who is the father of lies, who torments um, those who uh, God loves. You know, like in the movies, if they want to get to the, the top guy, they steal his kid, or they steal a loved one because that, that inflicts pain. That's the, that's the business the devil is in. And I think the church is embarrassed by the devil. Doesn't preach very well, and uh, you got this, these idiotic images of, you know, red horns and a pointy tail and a, a pitchfork and a red little red costume and everything. And it's just been so uh, cartoonized, cartoonized. I don't know. Uh, how would you say that, uh, Bill? Anyway. It's been so uh, cartoonish. Uh, I don't. How would you say that? C- cartoonated? A- Cartooned? Wow. All right. Anyway, he's an orthodontist. But anyway. Um, let me tell you this. Satan, ladies and gentlemen, just a few little tidbits. Satan is not omnipotent. God is omnipotent, and God shares that attribute with no one. God has all the power all the time, so do not ever think of God here, Satan here, and you got this neutral forces duking it out and, and hopefully one's going to win. That that's dualism. That's heresy. God has all the power. Satan does not have all the power. He's not omnipotent. He's potent, but he's not omnipotent. God is omnipotent. Here's another one. God is. Uh, excuse me. Satan is not, not omniscience. He's not omniscient. Satan doesn't know everything. Is Satan a mind reader? No. Can Satan uh, look at you and size you up? Yes. Uh, does he know you better than you know yourself? Probably. But he, he's not omniscient, only God is omniscient. I'll tell you one more, and this always blows people away. Satan is not omnipresent, folks. God is omnipresent. Where shall I go from your spirit, sayeth the psalmist? Nowhere. You can't go anywhere from God's presence. Nowhere. But, but is Satan omnipresent? No. That is held exclusively for God. It is an incommunicable attribute. Satan is not all over the place. He's in one place at one time. Now, does he have other angelic, excuse me, demonic powers? Uh, yes, but the person, Satan, is not omnipresent. That's, I think that's a comforting thing. You probably never met him, and you probably never will. Um, those things said, what we're supposed to see here, I think, is the characteristics of our Father, whoever that might be. I mean, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm an exact imprint of the Father. I'm carrying out the Father's will and word, and um, I've been sent with authority because I've been given authority by the Father. Uh, I have a heavenly Father, says Jesus. You can have one, too, if you believe in this gospel. If you don't, he says, there's another Father, the devil... And you want to do your father's desires. Now, he makes this, here's what he says about, about Satan. Here's what he says about the dominion of sin. These are potent accusations. First thing he says is this, verse 44. You are of your father or the devil. You want to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Let's stop there. He was a murderer. Why is the first thing Jesus says about Satan that he's a murderer? He already said that he's, he's, you know, he's a father of lies. I mean, well, yeah, he says he's a father of lies, but he says um, he's a murderer. Why? Well, he, he tempts Adam and Eve into sin, and what happens? Murder. I mean, they die spiritually, and they eventually die physically. That's murder. And by the way, all their offspring, including you, Murder. He was a murderer from the beginning. You know, um, Adam Adam and Eve sin. There's the fall. You got the Cain and Abel situation. What's the first recorded sin after Adam and Eve's uh, after Adam and Eve's sin? What is it? Murder. (laughs) Well, envy and murder. But I mean, murder takes place. And so Jesus is saying, "Hey, um, uh, you're their offspring. Uh, He's a murderer." Well, you want to do the will of your father. And indeed, they're about to pick up stones to stone Jesus. Murder. Next thing he says of Satan is this in verse 44, that he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. Well, I'd I'd call that void of truth, wouldn't you? He has nothing to do with the truth. There's no truth in him. That is void of truth, but it doesn't just stop there. Verse 44, when he lies... He speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. I mean, he's he's the source. He's the wellspring. He's the father of lies. You know, just as God is himself love and is loving, so is Satan um, a liar and the father of lies. Well, application for your life. It would not be correct to say, That uh, someone outside of the household of faith in Jesus Christ is uh, the source of lying itself would not be right to say that Satan is the is the father of lies, but it would be correct to say that by sinners by nature, um, the sinner is a liar. Uh, in that they refuse the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that sounds kind of ham fisted, but I, that, that is what the scriptures teach, and it is what Jesus said uh, uh, about the whole situation. Uh, and as far as murderers and, uh, and despising truth are concerned, the, the problem lies in the fact that we don't understand the scrutinizing eye of God upon us, um, that God peers onto the inside. Um, he he sees the internal stuff, the intentions, the thoughts, the motives, all the secret things that we hide. He sees all of it. He sees it, and he's absolutely opposed to sin. He's he's holy, holy, holy. We, we, we find it abrupt and hard that you have these declarations about your father, the devil. Gosh, that's harsh, Jesus, and I want to do my father, the devil's desires. I mean, my goodness, and if, I, if, if it's not you, then there's no way to God. Yeah, the problem is the way God is and the way um, sin can't be received by him. That is the problem, and that's why Jesus Christ um, came to save. Here's a word for the church. Be a church of the word. That's a word for the church. Be a church of the word. Um, How do we know? How do we know what is truth? It is the word. You either gladly submit to it. You either put yourself under its authority and under the authority of the living word himself um, or or you're in eternal trouble. And you know, um, it says this in verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. I don't know how the Bible could be any more clear. Uh, it is Jesus Christ and him alone, or you're doomed. In fact, one, one writer said of, of verse 47, he called it the crack of doom. <clears throat> the crack of doom. I kind of like that. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not um, hearing and receiving these words of Jesus Christ, um, you're doomed. So why not rest in and receive uh, the gift of salvation instead? All right, last point. Jesus puts himself to his own test. In verse 45 and 46, he says, because I tell you the truth and you do not believe in me. Oh, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Again, verse 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? He's saying, examine my life. Now, they've disagreed with him. They've charged him with blasphemy and working on the Sabbath and so on. But he's saying, examine the entirety of my life and all my dealings with you and, um, and see where we are. He, he throws himself open. Um, now, two applications, and then we'll close it right up because we got to finish, but two applications. Um, application number one, we should resemble this Jesus. And we're not going to resemble him perfectly, but the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And if we really are a believer in this Christ, and we really are under the authority of this book. And the Holy Spirit really is in us, working in us, sanctifying us, causing to love God's us to love God's law. Then there ought to be something in us that uh, is strange to the world in which we live, the dominion in which we live. And I'll give you just one two little quick examples. You know, back back in the day, I played in this sleazy lounge band here in Memphis, and anybody old enough to remember Captain Bilbo's back in the day? Wow, look at all you old people. But uh, anyway, we played Captain Bilbo's a lot, and Alfred's a lot, and uh, uh, we're, what you call it, Bayou Grill is on, on at Overton Square. That used to play, be a place called Boogie Rock. We played that for a long time, too. And anyway, um, I, I, we played with a bunch of different musicians, and The keyboard players tended to change out. The keyboard players and the sax players, they just kept rotating in and out. They just rotated in and out, in and out. So we played with a bunch of different guys. But, um, you know, two of those guys were keyboard players. And, um, you know, I wasn't living a stellar witness necessarily at that point in time. But I did live side by side with these guys. And um, in, in the best and the worst conditions, And it's the weirdest thing. I mean, three years after I quit the band, um, I got a phone call from one of the guys, and it was 11.30 at night, and I hadn't talked to him in three years. And his life was blowing up, and his marriage was falling apart, and he had nowhere else to turn, and he called me. And I remember thinking, what in the world? Why would you, of all the people you know, why would you call me? There's another guy, another keyboard player, and uh, his life was blowing up, and he had made some terrible decisions, and uh, he calls me out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years, and he calls me up, and why are you calling me? Out of all the close friends you've got and all, the, all your bandmates and everything, why this bandmate? Why me? And uh, I, I, I singled those guys out because they really did call me, and... They really did both come to know Christ. <laughs> Isn't that not amazing? But why did they call me? It, it wasn't because I was an awesome guy, I promise you. Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't because I lived perfectly, but it was that there was something in me that was alive, something in me that was spiritually real, uh, something that uh, they, they could spot. And I'm just saying... Um, we should resemble this Jesus um, as as light in a dark place. Application number two, the Bible, the gospel, Jesus invites examination. I don't know if you've talked to Catholic people ever, but you say, well, yeah, doesn't the Catholic church teach such and such and such and such and such? They go, oh, no, 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 we don't believe that. I'm like, well, you know, I'm on a Catholic website and it says Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Nobody believes that. You know, it's nice and mysterious. You know, mysterious, lots of ritual and stuff like that, and lots of religions, like Mormonism's like that. Oh, you know, listen, kooky stuff. None of the kooky stuff. We'd like it nice and mysterious, and uh, Buddhism, mysterious. Everything's got to be mysterious. The Bible says, examine me. Jesus says, check me out. Look at it, I make very distinct claims. Look into it, is my advice to you, your application. Look into it. And uh, see what God may show you. See um, the reality of the gospel. All right, last couple things. Ran into this really cool little little piece of poetic verse. George Matheson, eighteen forty two to nineteen oh six, long dead. Here's what he wrote. I just love this. His prayer is in poetic form. Make me a captive, Lord. You know, I want to be captive by you, God. Right? Make me a captive, O Lord. And then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conqueror be. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me within thine arms, and strong shall be my hand. Isn't that awesome? It's this upside-down gospel. Imprison me, God, and I'll be free. You know, Grab me and hold me, and all of a sudden, I'll be strong. Take the sword out of my, uh, my hand uh, and my efforts and abilities, and all of a sudden, I'm conqueror. That's the way the gospel works. It's forceful. How is that done? Uh, how is it done? It is done through God's truth. How do we know the truth? Well, here's, here's Jesus' answer in John 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Here's a quote for you from a good writer. Our Lord is relentless in his pursuit of resistant consciences and hardened hearts. And that goes on either side of the cross. If you've got a hardened heart and a resistant conscience and you've never come to know this Christ, pray, pray. In your heart of hearts, on your pillow tonight, some quiet place later, pray and just say, God, I wanna believe truth I want to know what truth is. Will you show it to me and give me the grace to believe it? Whatever that is, just show it to me, give me the grace to believe it. Will you pray that prayer earnestly? And if you're a Christian and uh, you've got a resistant conscience and your heart seems to be hardened and you feel prone to wander, ask yourself this, God, do I love your truth? Your answer will tell you much. Much about your relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. Might we love it. Might we love your law. Might we love your will. It is good and pleasing and perfect. Might we love you, Yahweh, because we love the Son, the living word, the final prophet, the king, the priest, our savior, our friend, our brother, and the head of the church. Lord, um, enliven our hearts, wake up the dead, um, shake up the slumbering, and um, cause us to um, be be a people who are vibrant in our faith uh, because we trust your word and your truth, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you very much.